Hello, welcome. Hello, man. Why are we starting straight off? We're, we're rolling already. <laughs> Let's go, go, go. Let's go. Okay, wait, hold on. Your microphone's all messed up. Yeah, I'm gonna... Ooh, I almost spilled my tea. That should be fine, right? Yeah. Yeah? That should be fine. Cool. How are you, man? I'm good. good. I've been uh, just chipping away, me and GPT-4, on a new code base that we're working on. Okay. Which is super nice. How, when you say you've been chipping away with GPT-4, yeah. how much are you doing? Are you just kind of sitting around? Okay. Or <laughs> <laughs> how much is GPT-4 doing? I've been sat twiddling my thumbs yeah. as AI does my entire job. Right. Um, no, so I... About four o'clock this afternoon, I decided I wanted a coffee. So I left the office and went to Starbucks. Yeah. And on my way over there, I was like, ah, oh, this is super unproductive. Yeah. But I do also really want a coffee and it's nice to get some fresh air. Yeah. I was like, I can just ask GPT-4 on my phone, on my OpenAI account, mm -hmm. to start writing the code for me. Mm -hmm. And then when I get back to my desk, maybe like 10% of it will be done. That's so interesting. So then I was, I was stood in the Starbucks queue and I was like maybe seven or eight prompts yeah. into this conversation and i was like this is gonna be done by the time i get back to my desk it's just like actually building the project copy pasting um and it's and to be fair like the thing i was asking it to do is not really complicated mm -hmm. and it's not our business logic it's like boilerplate code right so it's quite a straightforward task and then i just the rest of the afternoon i was just conversing with the system on the code it had already written and saying like okay what would that file look like what would that file look like and it's just writing out the whole system. That's and crazy. some of it's wrong, but most of it is correct. And it's not errors that mm -hmm. are wrong. It's just, I haven't given it the full context of what we do. So it couldn't write the code. But the right. second you do, it's like doing my whole job. So sounds amazing. so crazy. It's, I mean, it's just great. it still needs your, you still need to be the puppeteer because it needs to know yeah. what to do. Um, it needs to know when it's going off course. But that's really crazy. I mean, that's kind of not too dissimilar to maybe if you were talking to like a like an intern or like a junior employee yeah and you were like yeah i'm just out for coffee can you handle this specific thing um oh that needs to be rewritten yeah. this doesn't fit here it's basically that you essentially use gpt4 as an employee today yeah i did but it also um actually helped me with something that i have always battled with which is most coding projects i've always worked on my own okay. like development projects i've always worked on my own or I have been the principal developer. Mm. So I'll know the code base inside out. Mm -hmm. But a Carter, that's not the case. Yeah. So as we move more of our code base into the team, mm -hmm. which is actually fully complete now, the team yeah. is working on everything, which is sick. Uh, it's about having a structure that everyone will understand, mm -hmm. that's easy to navigate and isn't just a spaghetti of code. Mm -hmm. And so I can just say to GPT-4, is this easy to understand? Mm. It's like, actually, no. If you rename the function this, this, and this, yeah. it's super easy to understand. I'm like, ah, that is better. You're right. Yeah. So that kind of like um, moving the code into a way that the, the the team can understand and humans can understand is also really important to me. But it's hard to Google because everyone's opinionated, whereas I'd rather yeah. just take the average opinion that's learned by GPT-4 from the internet. So this this kind of like working with other people and like building a project with other people, I find really fascinating. Like the most fun things that I've built has always have always been like with other people. It's so much fun to be working on a particular problem with somebody else or like a group of other people. And that's really interesting because one of the things that we've been seeing in our Carter Discord, by the way, if you don't know what Carter is, 
what are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> Go. Uh, no, you don't know what Carter is. We're basically creating like AI companion sidekicks that you can talk to, build a relationship with, and just kind of handle stuff for you. Uh, but in the Discord, we've been seeing a lot of people that want their Carter sidekick as like a coding buddy. Uh, so that they can code with them. They can have like a chat while they're coding. The AI can um, sort of look through the code and maybe add comments or yeah. whatever. And this is really fascinating where you could, the concept of being a solo developer will, can potentially get a little bit muddy because everybody's coding with a, with a sidekick. And that's actually quite nice. Like hackathons to me seem really, really awesome. Not just because of the amazing stuff that's built, but because of the energy around a hackathon, like a bunch of yeah. people coming together, like no sleep or whatever. That's kind of like the toxic hackathon thing, but like, um, just people coming together and just like really nailing a problem, building something super fast and just cheeseburgers and Red Bull and just, and just getting something done. That's like super fun, you know? Yeah. And it seems like you can do that with some, with some awesome sidekicks, um, yeah. that are AI based. Yeah. And you don't even have to be at your desk. It turns out. Yeah, exactly. And what was really nice is that like, I, I have the, I have ChatGPT as a shortcut on my phone now. It's in like the bottom, the iPhone bottom tray. Yeah. It's like that and Spotify. Okay. And that's it. And then WhatsApp, then nice. humans. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, so it's nice to be able to like work on something by just giving it little prompts. Mm. And then when you get back to your desk, you can log into the same account mm. and start copy pasting and mm. start like moving things around, tw slightly tweaking things. Yeah running them, seeing tests, writing tests is also really important. Yeah. And it's also something that every developer hates to do. Mm. And so you can get ChatGPT to write you tests for the code it just wrote, mm -hmm. which is nice. Just awesome. make sure you check them before you put them in production. Yeah. Okay. Understood. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, if you are new here, welcome to the GPT podcast. This is episode six, I think. Yeah, I think we're on six. Now. Yeah, I think we're on six. This is the podcast where we talk about AI, the future of technology, and where this crazy world is is taking us. We're on a, a, an amazing ride, and we yeah. do all of this, and we have all of these conversations while drinking tea. Tea. GPT. This, um, this week we have... You made this tea. I didn't... Yeah. What, what, what have we got? Well, usually you make it, because yeah. you're trying to get me into different teas. Yeah. Did you actually bring the wrapper? So yeah, because I can remember what, what it was called. So this is the Pucker Clean yeah. Matcha Green. Okay. Thing. It's very, very good. Yeah. I feel healthier. Really, really nice. It's like lemony. Lemony, yeah, pepperminty. It's good. Mm. We've been um, drinking exclusively Pucker teas. Are we driving them crazy amounts of traffic? <laughs> they should be... <laughs> If they are, yeah. if we are, but it looks like they're just skipping the video. Yeah. And going straight to the tea website. Yeah. Okay, if you're watching this, please yeah. send us some more exclusive teas. Yeah, I wonder they definitely have like Pucker would have like um experimental teas, obviously. It's their product. So they would be constantly testing different teas. I'd love to like see the I'd love to try the teas that they tried and rejected. And then we'll turn that into a line of rejected pucker teas and we'll call it GBTs. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So enough gibble gabble. We've got we, drama. There's drama in the AI world. We have drama and you have the, you have all the tea, you know what's going on. What has been going on? What crazy thing has happened in AI? Do you know who Jeffrey Hinton is? You mentioned him in a previous episode. I know him vaguely as the, the like father of neural networks. That's actually. right. Um, yeah, tell me about him. So he's a guy that has been doing research his whole life. He's an academic. Okay. 
And his hunch was that the best way for computers to learn is to loosely simulate how animals learn, including us, um, which is using neural networks. And so he's the godfather of AI because he basically invented neural networks. It's a bit of a team effort, but he basically did all the groundwork. And when he did that, this was like in the 80s or the 90s. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And the problem was there just wasn't enough compute back then. You just couldn't, there wasn't enough data because the internet wasn't a thing. There wasn't enough compute. So everyone just said neural networks, it's a dead end. Then we had our AI winter. And so everyone went down like different ways of building AI systems without, without neural networks. Um, but as the data has increased in compute power, we've got data centers now and these huge clusters with tens of thousands of GPUs. Now neural networks make a lot of sense. And we've got these crazy new architectures like transformers that just have completely changed the game. And so he's definitely laughing now because everyone told him he was wrong, but he wasn't wrong. And so he's had some incredible contributions. He's been uh, cited in so many white papers. Right. Just, it's just incredible, incredible contribution to humanity. He's also a really intelligent, just nice guy. Like I really recommend that everyone just goes and watches an interview with him. Where is he based? Is he British? Was he doing this in a, in a UK uni? No. So he so he is British, but okay. he lives in Canada. Mm-hmm. I don't know whether he's like British Canadian, but yeah, so he does all of his work from Canada. Mm. Um, he's also an employee of Google, or he was. He was, that's the drama. He left this week to warn the world about the worries and the concerns he has over AI, ironically. So this is super interesting because up until this point, we have had a lot of people sort of um, ringing the alarm and sounding the alarm on the the dangers of AI. And some of those people have been uh, industry professionals. Some of them have not been industry professionals. So you could say that someone like Elon Musk, who is AI adjacent, is kind of on the line there. He's around AI, but he's not actively building neural networks. So... Is he not a Tesla? I mean, they are at Tesla, but he's yeah. not building neural networks. Oh, okay. Right. right. right, right. Whereas yeah, he I'm pretty sure he's in the workshop at SpaceX, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Jeffrey Hinton is building neural networks. Like this is his thing. And so for him to leave the, 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 the comfy sort of cushy job at Google with amazing funding to work on whatever he thinks need to be worked on to sound the alarm is a little bit more of a sort of an eyebrow raiser because this is yeah. this is definitely an opinion that people will listen to so so this is really interesting so um he's not the first person or the first like big like person with a with a large following in ai to to sound the alarm bells we've had eliza yudkovsky who's gone on to various different podcasts he's very very vocal um on twitter talking about the dangers of ai and we should um we should maybe relax a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the opinion, so so he was quite divisive in that a lot of people were listening to him and being like, oh my God, we need to listen to this guy. We need to pause. But then as a counterbalance, there were a lot of people that found Eliza and do still find Eliza a little bit tinfoil, mm. um, like tinfoil hat and just kind of like a conspiracy theorist. Now, Jeffrey Hinton, as the, as the guy that invented the neural network, invented invented neural networks themselves 
if he's coming out and he's left Google where he has unlimited funding and he would have risen to like maybe top three most important people at Google given yeah. uh, given the massive new AI shift. Um, if he's left Google, the unlimited funding, the, the cushy job and possibly the the ability to have an infinite raise uh, to, to sound the alarm bells, this is very, very interesting. I wonder what he's going to start to say. And I wonder why he um, left Google. My thoughts are there was maybe something in his agreement, maybe in his employment agreement, that was something to do with con uh, confidentiality or like yes. public, public kind of, um, what's it called when you disparage a company? Uh, I don't know, that day, thing. Yeah, dude. yeah, yeah, that <laughs> thing. Like you couldn't say anything bad about yeah. Google. Do you think that's why he left or is there another reason? So that's the speculation is that um, actually, so there's a lengthy New York Times interview that he has done. Recently? Yes. Okay. Um, and I think he did touch on it that he can't really speak openly about AI under his Google contract, mm. but he can if he quits. And, and I think that that's really the main motivation. I don't think it's that he's quit to work on saving us or anything like that. I think it's literally he he is an academic at heart he wants to be at the forefront of the conversation because and as he sees it gpt4 is the first sort of system that's making people a little bit uncomfortable mm -hmm. because i mean we've had similar times in history before gpt2 was another one that people were like well this actually might work but GPT-4 is now kind of, it has a certain amount of common sense. Mm -hmm. And so Hinton was basically saying, it's not smarter than us yet, mm. but it will soon be. And then at that point, we don't really know what happens because even though it's something we can probably control, what do you do with something that's smarter than you and you can control it? Will you use it to get everything you want in life? Mm. So if you're a country, you're going to use that to navigate wars better if you're a business, you're going to use that to make more profit. Mm -hmm. And so it's not really that you're worried about the the neural network taking over. It's you're worried about how people are going to use it and how do you stop that getting out of hand? Like, yeah. can you build AutoGPT with GPT-7 safely? Probably not. Yeah. So this is, this is a very, very interesting perspective. So basically the crux of his argument is that AI... AI's immediate danger is not that it's going to escape and autonomously just kind of be this new species that that, that takes over. That's not immediately what's happening. However, with GPT-4 already, mm. we've seen some things that where GPT-4 has given humans massive power and leverage, the people that have access to GPT-4, and they have been the ones to use it. Uh, uh, some humans have used it sort of in a malintended way. So. Yeah. Uh, there was the example. Did you see this um, thing on Twitter where somebody uh, used GPT-4 to come up with like 40 chemical compounds that could cause like mass human wipeout or something that, that, that were like toxic and poisonous for humans? Did you I, see this? I heard of similar things. I don't know this one. Yeah. So so somebody used GPT-4. I don't I, I didn't look into it too much. I don't, I don't know what they prompted it with or, or how, how the conversation went. Um, but they basically used GPT-4 to come up with a long list. I think it was 40, I'm not sure, but a long list of new chemical compounds that uh, are toxic and poisonous for humans and that can that can wow. basically kill humans. 
and I think they just they I think they added it to like a GitHub repo or something, or they added the prompt to something to a GitHub repo, and then just and just push it. It's open source, and that's terrifying. <laughs> that's really really scary because yeah. that's something that GPT two wouldn't be able to do, but GPT four with a with a person that that is inclined to do something like that, mm. you can get some pretty scary results, and that's one of them. So is that what he's basically saying he's most worried about? Yeah, I think that's what he's most worried about in the short term, but he's also worried about, he's kind of hinting at what's known as an intelligence explosion. And this is something that... What is that? Okay, intelligence explosion is a sick name for something that may be absolutely terrifying, mm -hmm. like worse than a nuke going off. Mm -hmm. Way worse, actually. Um, basically what happens is you have, the idea is you have a system that is smarter than us, that creates a system that is smarter than it, and on and on and on. A system that's smarter than us creates a system that's smarter than itself, which then creates a system that's smarter <laughs> Okay. So you're recursively, like you have this compounding intelligence, and it's going to happen faster and faster and faster. And so, like, if there's something that's smarter than us, we already don't understand what it's doing. Mm. Then there's something that's smarter than that. We have no chance. And that's two hops. Mm. And so I think very quickly you could get something that, that is out of control in weird ways, probably not Hollywood ways, but in weird, strange ways where we don't really know what it's doing. Maybe the data center just catches fire and melts. And that was yeah. like a bad day in AI. Mm. Yeah, so this is really interesting. So you're basically saying intelligence that creates intelligence that's more intelligent than the intelligence that created it so basically gpt gpt to the nth degree yes can rapidly if that if that's autonomous can very very quickly get very very i don't know if dangerous is even the word unsettling is probably a, another word because you don't know whether it will necessarily be um like evil that super sci-fi movie but just having something that's far smarter than us and that can outsmart us and we are no longer in control that's naturally very very worrying so practically speaking would that be like gpt4 training another g would that be like gpt4 training gpt5 or is that not the right way to think about it i this is kind of I think this is open to interpretation and I might not be the best person to answer this, but it, but the best rule of thumb is just throw every concept you have out the window and rely on your instincts. So that's, that's, that's how I think about it because even the concept of a model training another model may be like archaic three steps out, mm. but like, what's up, what's training? Yeah. You know, like it, it could be that simple. And so I don't know whether we might end up with just a really good compute system that is incredible. We don't really know how it works and it's mm -hmm. going to take us a hundred years to figure out how it works. And we decide to stop there. And it, that's basically the equivalent of a tiger in a pen. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, it is dangerous if you let it out, but we know how to keep it in. So it's safe. Yeah. I just, I don't have, I don't trust that we would ever stop or slow down. Like, the, the, this this AI paper that was a couple of months ago where people were like, let's have a, a six-month mm. uh, holiday on on training AI and, and improving AI this basically went nowhere um, because in the real world, speaking realistically, 
no business that's trying to compete in AI right now is going to take a six month break when it's not enforced by law globally. Because I'll just be like, my competitors either um, on onshore or abroad are just going to continue. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I can take a six month break. I'll give everybody else a six month head start. Yeah. I don't know actually of any example where technology has has been kind of dangerous to a particular industry. In this case, it's dangerous to all industries, but uh, where technology historically has been dangerous to a particular industry and globally we've come to the consensus that it makes sense to just stop. I don't know of any example where that's happened. Nuclear weapons is the only really thing that comes close, to be honest. Okay. That, so that hasn't stopped people producing them. No. And there are weird treaties that every country just finds. Every nuclear armed country mm. finds loopholes in the treaties. Yeah. So it's like, you're not allowed. You, it's it's currently outlawed globally. That you're not allowed to make any more nukes. So countries just renovate them. Mm -hmm. They just take the same components and put them in new missiles, basically. Mm -hmm. Which is a loophole. And it's just like common practice, you know? Um, and maybe that's good because of safety. And you don't want like unstable 50 year old nukes lying around mm -hmm. but also you kind of are making new weapons um so i think all all regulations are going to have loopholes and this the thing is this technology can't have any loophole if you're going to re restrict it because any hole in the bucket is going to let through an intelligence explosion basically yeah and the, okay so this might sound really weird but it nukes seem a lot easier to to control globally than ai and the reason i say that is not because they are on the same danger scale they are obviously probably not on the uh, same danger scale i don't know if actually that's obvious it's unclear it's unclear but the thing is i mean we can't go and build a nuke you need a ton of funding you need the space it's a physical thing with ai you especially with open source models the more open source mm. models that come out anybody can get gpus to run models and these models are getting smaller yeah. and they're able to run on on so some models are even able to run on on locally on a laptop now or on a phone um so how do you globally regulate something that everybody has access to mm. i don't know how you do that i don't know whether regulation is the key but we're gonna try and do it anyway it seems we are okay. quickly hustling Okay, so we're quickly hurtling towards regulation and AI, faster than I've ever seen any industry move towards it. And you have you have three key players in AI regulation right now. So you've got the US government, you've got the EU, and you have China. Mm. All those three uh, entities have strong motivation to regulate something in AI. And they're going about it in different ways. So recently, the EU has put forward a law that will force AI image generators to declare their data sets and to basically say what they trained on. And I believe also provide credit, but that might be done through just declaring what it was trained on. So if your name's on the list, then you get a little bit of credit for that, the thing it produced. Okay, so... If I am a U, uh, an EU-based uh, image generation, like a, a, an image generator AI business, um, and I spend millions fine-tuning my own model, but I haven't gone through the depths of like labeling all of that art and finding and sourcing where it's from, and also 
making sure that I'm using are that I can actually use that's fair use. Yes. What do I do? Do I have to scrap that that fine tune diffusion model? Yeah. <laughs> yes, you do. Basically, yes. yes. So there are well-known image generation uh, startups out there that have openly said they've tra trained on billions of images. Mm. Now, I don't know how they scraped these images, but I'm willing to bet they don't have a database with billions of credits in them for every image. Yeah. Maybe they do. Maybe they have like the URL. It's scraped from the internet, right? So they basically, they've probably just recursively gone onto the internet into places like Wikipedia and open blogs and things like that and just taken the images. Escape, scraped for PNGs and JPEGs and stuff. Yeah, stock image sites, all of that. Yeah. And so if they've scraped all of that, they might have the metadata to go and maybe start adding references and credits. Or maybe you you try and solve this with AI and be like, what does this final output kind of look like? So Playground AI have got an interesting um, thing where because everything you create on their site is uh, the prompt is public. And so what's interesting is that you can see the names of the artists people are putting in the prompts mm -hmm. to get a certain look. And so that seems like instant fame. If you're an artist and everybody loves the look of that art, mm -hmm. so they start putting it in the prompt. On Playground, you can see the artist that's being referenced is not their work, but they're actually being referenced anyway. Yeah, but but referencing in and of itself um, is... That, that kind of referencing, I don't think will cover it because references need to be in a specific format that actually gives credit to an artist. Mm -hmm. So if you've got two artists that are both called, um, I don't know, Aaron B, uh, it's not clear. If, if you just have the name without like where the art was taken from or their particular website, that wouldn't necessarily count as credit because you yeah. could be driving traffic to somebody else. I honestly think that the, the solution will be a lot more simple than, than using AI. I feel like these AI uh, art generation businesses will be like, right, we are going to change where our company is based and we are going to be based in the Maldives or something. And if they just change to a Maldives, reg uh, Maldives registered business, they maybe fall out of some of these jur um, jurisdictions and the law. Yes. That's what gambling businesses do. Yeah. And so this is why you can't regulate AI. Yeah. Because there that's will be the some the country. There will be some country that's like, yeah. anything goes. Yeah. So just register here. Yeah, and so you've got the US who seem to be getting very close with Silicon Valley and specifically around the subject of regulation. You also have China who are also interested in regulation in different ways. Um, more the outputs of models and what the models are producing, right. whether that is acceptable or not. Mm -hmm. And also the unpredictability, the unpredictability of this technology seems to worry most countries. Because mm -hmm. like, okay, fine you could probably confidently put software in charge of a traffic light system. Mm -hmm. And so we do, because there's like, it's probably not going to go wrong most of the time. Sometimes it does. And they put a little orange cover over it. Mm -hmm. But if you're going to put, you know, a system in charge of a battlefield, um, that is more responsibility and you can't undo what you, what you listen to on the battlefield. Mm -hmm. um, and so I, I, I think there's going to be a lot of regulation. I think it's going to happen faster than anything else in history. So do you know what's happening in, in China in terms of both AI 
innovation and like the, the the stuff that they're doing as well as regulation do you know anything here to the ground on what's going on so i've seen a few a few whispers of things i'm not paying too much attention if i'm honest okay um they released a model recently no that would that performed really well yeah so there's a model called chat there's this model called chat glm mm. and this model is trained from a different perspective so here in the like the west we will train a model on scraping the internet but it's from in many english-speaking sites mm -hmm. like there, there are lots of different languages in the data set but mainly english-speaking sites mm -hmm. but that's not the whole internet there's loads of languages out there and so from the chinese perspective chat glm is the other perspective like there's a lot of chinese stuff in there and some english-speaking stuff in there which is super interesting because it's going to learn different things mm. based on like culture, mm -hmm. based on how different countries learn and think. So that's kind of interesting. And it performs reasonably well. Interesting. So you, you've played around with it a little bit? Yeah. So it's open source on Hugging Face. Right. And um, there's an awesome guy on YouTube. He's called Centdex. We'll, we'll link below. And he um, did like an hour long video talking about this model because no one else is talking about it yeah it's crazy i i mean i haven't seen it anywhere yeah this is the first i'm hearing of it basically yeah it's on hugging face right like you can go and download it and run it on your machine so who trained it i don't we'll link it down below <laughs> <laughs> um i mean we can definitely look it up i mean we'll talk about it the thing is it 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 um it just goes to show that we don't know who trained it like yeah. it's not anywhere yeah, I wonder so, maybe if that's a purposeful thing. I don't know. Yeah, but, but who? Who doesn't want to talk about it? Is it like Twitter doesn't want, like, the no, I'm not saying Twitter as a business, I'm so, talking about like the community on Twitter doesn't want to talk about it? Or is it that ChatGPT is just drowning out a lot of stuff? Or is it that it's actually, there's so many more models out there that we don't know of. And this is just one of them that's bubbled to the top. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, I think it might be a sort self-fulfilling thing where nobody knows about it. So therefore nobody tweets about it. So therefore nobody knows about it. Yeah. Uh, it could be that. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I wonder what the inner kind of opinion is on kind of like US versus EU versus China AI. I wonder what's going on. There's this hilarious Venn diagram that I saw on Twitter the other day and it was like, okay, so it was like the the US was all about, I don't know, um, build AI. China was like um, anti-AI and they overlapped or something like that. And then below was just regulate AI and it was the EU <laughs> in its own circle <laughs> um so yeah so yeah we'll have to find that and and throw it up on the screen yeah instantly um, instantly have uh chat GPT back now yes right? they do this is really interesting so yeah the, the whole problem that Italy had uh it seems was basically there wasn't any age gating on the system right so it just doesn't ask you your date of birth when you sign up mm -hmm. which is a clear violation of many global laws um and so they've added that back i think they've done a lot of work on like data transparency and and like what's the data being stored and open ai have done this uh, yeah and i think the government in italy right i think they've been working really close and now it's back online 
Yeah, awesome. I mean, there was the worry when when Italy pulled them. There was kind of the worry is like, oh my God, are there going to be other countries that pull um, ChatGPT or AI? What's going to happen? Seems like they came to a pretty good kind of resolve pretty fast as well. This seems to be like how governments are supposed to operate, actually. Mm. While that's breaking the law, stop. Okay, now you're compliant. Continue. Yeah, we'll leave you alone. Yeah, that seems fair. Yeah, that does seem fair. Yeah, and so um, OpenAI, they're absolutely killing it right now. I actually saw this really nice tweet from Mm -hmm. Sam Altman earlier. So he said, the arc of technology is towards simplicity. Mm -hmm. Talking Talking to a computer like we talk to a human is pretty simple. We have come a long way from punch cards to natural language, but within the paradigm of natural language, we can now go so far. Interesting. So what do you think of that? Very, very nice. I mean, dude, this is something that we've been talking about since the first time we ever met. Literally the first conversation we had. Yeah. On that bench, we were talking about the the concept of like a an AI-based population, digital population, um, basically of like entities that that at the moment live in our phones and live in our computers, but soon when things go 3D and we're wearing a pair of glasses, just like we're doing now, but you can tap them. Yeah. Friday, what am I looking at? <laughs> uh, when you get to that kind of phase, these AI entities could be walking, crawling, flying among us, um, which seems crazy. It's, it's very, very, very sci-fi. But I can now, with everything that's been going on, and also the stuff that even we've been working on, the particularly the stuff that we've been working on, I can see the roadmap of how you get from where we are now to how you get to okay, I'm walking down the street, I've got a pair of AI glasses, I see my neighbor, I see the dog, and I see my 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 AI friend that we that I met in the in the bar. And it's just completely seamless. And I walk into a shop, I see other human customers, I see AI based uh, people that help us, and just like a just like a seamless experience mm. and and us just coexisting. This seems very sci fi, it seems kind of well, I mean, if you if you say that this is on the horizon to me, maybe even a year ago, two years ago, I'd been like, well, I think you're, I think yeah, you're crazy. But I can kind of see the roadmap, especially because we're so deep in the weeds in it with what we do at Carter. So what are your thoughts on this? You've been dreaming of this for a very, very long time. You've actively been trying to work on it for ages. Uh, and we've seen a whole bunch of movies where this is the case. Her doesn't have like a visual component, but her is essentially a seamless experience between talking to Samantha versus talking to a colleague. So you've got that. Jarvis obviously is, that's a physical form of, of, uh, of vision. Um, so you've got that and there are a bunch of other movies. You've got some black mirror episodes. Are we going to have the first inklings of a digital population within the next say three years or do we already have? Yeah, I think we're already there. Right. If I'm honest, I think we're already there. How is it manifesting today? Even if you wind back the clock to four-ish years ago when like Alexa and Google Assistant were new, mm-hmm. there was novelty. It wasn't just another device in your house. There was this like, ah, okay, this is this seems different. This is definitely a new paradigm of communication with these machines. It doesn't feel like I'm talking to a machine anymore. It kind of almost feels like a phone call. Mm. It feels like there's someone else on the other end and that the, the hockey puck I have is just a phone it's just communication device with Mm. this 
thing that's powering my lights and can tell me the weather, mm-hmm. which was awesome. And I remember getting an Alexa and the first 24 hours, I was like, awesome. We're living in the future. I now have Jarvis in my house. Mm-hmm. And then after like a week, I was like, oh, it's a bit stupid. Like mm-hmm. what's missing? Why is this not doing... Why don't I feel like Tony Stark? And then I felt more like Tony Stark with what I was working on in my bedroom. Yeah, you were building Jarvis. Yeah, like when I was 10, I watched Iron Man for the first time. Mm -hmm. And there was this just incredible feeling of like, oh my God, I cannot believe that the keyboard and mouse are not the only way we can interact with computers. And Mm -hmm. that you can have a conversation with them Mm -hmm. and they just know stuff and everything's handled. And that was what I fell in love with. It was just like, wow, there's this almost like a, this sort of guardian angel mm-hmm. watching over Tony mm-hmm. all the time. Yeah. Like planning ahead, thinking about what's going to happen, preemptively doing things for him. Yeah. The first time you meet Jarvis, he's not actually talking to Tony. He's waking up a reporter that had slept at Tony's house the night before. And so the first thing Jarvis says in any of the films is, good morning, it's 7am, the weather is fair. And and like immediately, like the windows start opening up. Yeah. And then the music fades in and you don't even hear the rest of what Jarvis is saying. Yeah. As she's woken up and then she's moving around the house and she like, she touches a panel mm. and it says, you're not authorized to access this area. And it's Jarvis again. Mm. And you're like, those two scenes, they communicated so well what Jarvis is. Mm-hmm. It's like Tony's downstairs listening to rock music in his basement, taking apart Hot Rod. Mm-hmm. While the reporter, who he doesn't want to talk to because it's mm-hmm. the morning after, mm-hmm. is uh, being woken up by his like sidekick yeah. and being told that she can't go in certain rooms. And then she meets a human, which is Pepper. Yeah. And is, is escorted away. Um, and that yeah. was just like, the first movie was amazing because they sold the the relationship between Tony and this. You can tell that Tony has had Jarvis for a long time. Mm. There's like a context and yeah. history that's built up over time. Yeah, and there's kind of like a, a proximity between them where you can tell that like, it's kind of like, you know, when you go, um, if, you, if, if like a friend invites you out to go for i don't know drink or lunch with their other friend mm. you immediately the first thing that you do maybe subconsciously is understand their relationship it's like okay they've got inside are they close do they did they just meet oh they've got tons of inside jokes and they were like do you remember when we were at school and we did this and you kind of like you kind of understand their relationship and, and how they're mm. how they kind of formed if you're in somebody's house and they're talking to alexa you don't start thinking, oh, what's their relationship with Alexa? You don't really go there because Alexa is just doesn't have that ability for for context and kind of like building the relationship over time. So just in that example that you gave of the first Iron Man movie where he wakes uh where he wakes her up, he opens the blinds. Um, that's first of all, he started the conversation. It wasn't started by Alexa, can you blah blah blah? Alexa, yeah. can you so he started the conversation. He has control over everything. Um, he knows where certain guests are authorized to go and not. And then as that movie progresses and you kind of see them interact, especially when he's building like different suits, there's there's like banter between them. But he right. also handles stuff. Yeah. And he can also tell you what the weather is. That sit that is the that's the big wide gap between like Alexa and yes. Siri, those types of systems versus Jarvis. Yeah. I mean, that's what we're trying to build a bridge, but it's only yeah. been really possible to do this kind of like now. 
there's this sense right. of like being in everything, having levers that the system can pull and push to make things happen mm. and having context and more common sense. So like there's two scenes that come to mind for the Jarvis idea, which is like in the first film, Tony sat down, he's designing the Mark II armor, Mark III, Mark III. So it's the one that's, that's red and gold. And he's like, um, you know, paint it gold. Uh, and he says, uh, and he says, oh, that that's like a little inconspicuous, don't you think? It's just like way too shiny. Mm -hmm. And so um, he says, throw some red in there. And Jarvis throws some red in there and he re-renders it and he says um, something witty like, uh, oh yeah, that'll help you keep a low profile. <laughs> so while he's doing something useful, he's like making a joke about it. Yeah. But it's not offensive. It's just banter. Yeah. And then, and then he's like, um, okay, cool. Uh, estimated completion time is five hours. And then um, Tony basically says like, okay, cool, paint it. Yeah. And then he walks off and like, you know that there's going to be a suit waiting for him when he yeah. gets home from the party Yeah, that Jarvis has been painting yeah. in like some like CNC machine or something, Yeah, which is awesome. The second example is like loads of films later. Um, it is Age of Ultron. Right. And so he's in the Stark Tower and Ultron is working on Loki's uh, scepter. Yep. And they're like running all these simulations and they can't do anything. And then Stark has to get ready for this party. Mm -hmm. So he he's like um, finishing up his workshop time and, mm -hmm. and he has to leave. And Jarvis says, have a lovely time, sir. Mm -hmm. And Tony says, I always do, buddy. And the lights go off. Yeah. But there's a, an idea that Jarvis knows in that moment, Tony is done with the conversation mm -hmm. to not reply again. And this is yeah. like something so basic now. That yeah. any AI system you talk to, every time you send a message, you get a response. You get a response. It yeah. feels like you're walking on a treadmill and you can't you can't, you stop. can't stop a conversation. Yeah. There's like basic facts. Yeah. Like why doesn't Alexa know the time of day and use that as context? Mm. These were like really basic things mm -hmm. that I think provide so much value. ChatGPT does use time of day and date. Mm. In in there's like something going on behind the scenes. It knows the time of day. Yeah, but even when even when you're um, on ChatGPT or you're communicating with GPT-4, the scope and the abilities of those systems is insane. Um, but you still don't feel like you're talking to Jarvis. It's still not like, oh my God, GPT-4 has launched, Jarvis is here. So Alexa is, is, is not at all there. Neither is GPT-4. And the kind of bridge is that ability to, yes, handle everything for you. So GPT-4, you have to prompt. I mean, you can use AutoGPT and that's going to that's gonna go super far. And, and just that idea of just of it thinking and, and being able to kind of talk to itself to get to yeah. the answer. That's going to go super far. Um, and that's that's really exciting. That's the thinking part. But there's the relationship. And, and this really is kind of brought home with two movies. One is obviously... Um, Iron Man. Tony has a different relationship with Friday than he does with Jarvis. Right. It's kind of weird, right? Yeah. Friday is very much kind of like a a really protective older sister kind of thing. She's a little bit more, she's less jokey, more like cautious and wary and, and just wants to keep him safe. Um, Jarvis is like his bro. Yeah. You know? That's right. So AI, same, same, same underlying tech it would be but completely different relationships to the point where you don't think of them as like, this is underlying tech. Think of them as two different beings. They're just AI-based mm -hmm. beings. Mm -hmm. So that's really interesting. And of course, the the, the all-time movie 
but uh, of like human to AI relationships and that becoming really deep and meaningful is, is her. Mm. Her really has inspired us. Um, and it was, it was something that we spoke about when we, when we first met. I'm quite interested to know your thoughts on the fact that Jarvis and Friday mostly manifest via conversation only and don't have a physical form. Same thing in her, Samantha is, is voice only. It doesn't have a physical form. We're talking about the concept of having, I don't know, let's say AR glasses that become super mainstream. It sounds like Apple working on something, they're, they're gonna release something this year, maybe, uh, like a mixed reality headset. But you've got AR glasses and you can see the physical form of, of an, you would be able to see the physical form of an AI-based entity. Mm -hmm. Then you've got things like, nvidia's new ai hair thing that they right. created I, I didn't go uh, in the weeds of that but it looked really cool you could, it looks like super realistic hair yeah you've got unreal engine so you could like render like photo real people mm. that probably wouldn't fit in a headset but let's say that technical problem is solved would we do you think it's more likely that we have just like voice only ai kind of sidekicks that we yeah. talk to like samantha like jarvis or is it more likely that we uh, actually see them via some kind of interface? Have you played, it's actually on this headset, have you played the Iron Man VR game? You've sent me videos of you playing it. Okay. I haven't jumped in yet. So the comic book version of Friday is a holographic person. Right, okay. It's not just I did not voice know that. suit. She's so much more than that. Mm. And there's tons of stories. The whole plot of this Iron Man VR game is that there is a bad holographic AI mm. and a good one. And Friday helps you through everything, but she appears in front of you. So she's in your suit. So when you're flying around, she's in your suit like Jarvis. Right. But when you're on your private plane, because you play as Tony Stark, when you're on your private plane, she's sitting in front of you. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And it's, and this like, and there's a, a bad Tony Stark that is a holographic AI. Right. And you see him. And I think this is super interesting. And it's not just Disney and Marvel that are, that are doing this. It's It's been a, a theme through sci-fi for a long time. Um, and it's basically like a robot without all of that hard physics stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, if you want a robot for just companionship, um, this seems like a really compelling piece of tech. To be able to see and look in the eye of a companion an ai companion seems really important so the compelling piece of tech is is ar that that would be yeah if you can actually see the see an ai based entity that that knows yeah. you can do stuff for you and is just a friend and they have a physical form that will be a big leap it's the the the, the, the closest thing that i've seen in the movies is joy from blade runner right so she's like this awesome holographic basically like a girlfriend mm-hmm and they don't go deep into her character. And she's definitely not just handling things. She's more from companionship and support. Mm -hmm. That's that's really what it is. But there's something about presence. She's like actually walking around his apartment. And mm -hmm. she's actually in his car next to him. And when she... Um, I don't want to spoil the movie. But like having her physically present works well in the story. Mm -hmm. And so I think... I think having a physically present AI is going to be really, really important, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's something it's, it's not an or it's going to be an and. Yeah. It's the, it's the interoperable play. Yeah. So just like in the, in the Iron Man VR game, if, if you can just hear them while you're in the suit, but then when you're on your private plane, you can see them. 
and the and crucially they are the same person and you have the same relationship with them so it's not like any different it's just like a, a different form of conversation that will be a uh, a very very popular thing yeah and i mean it's popular in the movies and, and it seems like anything that that sci-fi makes and a movie a, a popular sci-fi movie any any kind of like tech that they create if it is manifested in the real world somehow it usually is a success absolutely like, just like vr apple's yeah. stores in i'm going to go far out in 15 years time mm -hmm. will have someone that meets you at the door that is like it's siri but she has a body now mm. and she's going to meet you at the door and you'll already be wearing your eyeglasses yeah and she will walk you around the store mm. and she'll give you unlimited information about the iphone and it'll be your siri and it'll be your siri it'll be the one that you know that you know and it won't be just hi danny yeah it'll already know why you need a new phone or a new pair of glasses yeah it'll already know all of these things because it'll have the context yeah so i i think this is so important but also I, I really think that humans, that we're not just all about being physically present anymore. It's actually nice to be able to text. So like, yeah, it is. I love spending time with my girlfriend, mm -hmm. but we're not like joint at the same. <laughs> if she watches it, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> yes, um, I really enjoy. Yes. So the thing is, it's really useful to be able to text her mm. when she's not with me. Yeah. And to communicate about things yeah. that would be weird if we were just always together in every situation. Yeah. It'd be very restrictive. And and have you noticed, like, you have a, a very minor difference in your relationship on text versus in real life? Yes. I I have this. Like, me and, uh, me and my girlfriend would, like, message a good morning message while we're in the office and it's like a, a silly nickname mm. every single day even though we have just seen each other oh that's nice you know and so it's kind of like a different relationship on text it's not really a different relationship but it's like a it's like a nice different form of communicating it's also practical though yeah it's also practical yeah so like when you're apart 100 yeah. percent. but it's it's quite nice and i think if, if ai can can if you can have the same kind of feeling where you don't necessarily want to talk 24 7 mm. like vocally but you probably do want to have a bit of vocal conversation then you yeah. want to text and you maybe want to have a phone call or, yeah. uh you're late for this meeting you need to run yeah these different mediums if it's interoperable between all different mediums yeah that could be incredibly powerful. absolutely and there's there's other benefits that come from ar and okay. vr and vr which we've already experienced with carter right so we've recently released a video it's on twitter it's pinned um, of a VR Carter character. Amber. Amber. Genshin Impact. Which was sick. It was a one-day build. Mm -hmm. We just simulated her personality. We just, like, put her, dropped her into a VR village. Yeah. And there's, like, an awesome dialogue you can have. You can say, follow me, she follows you. You can talk to her about anything, but you're going on a quest together. And the whole thing is, like, you're supposed to be going around the village preparing for your quest. Mm -hmm. But what was really weird is that you can look her in the eye and her body language means something. There's mm. body language. Mm. So with AR and VR and a physical presence, you get an extra layer of depth. And we found this with um, voices as well. Mm -hmm. So like text is like level one. Voice is level two. And physical presence is level three. And the reason I think that is because text is, we have this problem even as humans where we can't quite 
communicate everything through text mm. sometimes the tone's off mm -hmm. like someone's really upset and you have no idea why it's because they read your text wrong or yeah. you put one two words around the wrong way and it sounds awful now yeah um and so we have emojis to deal with that oh no the room is the Roomba. <laughs> the return of the Roomba. It's like i'm physically present <laughs> <laughs> we're actually going to make that one of the first members of the digital population we're adding ai to the Roomba. what does the fun video what does the Roomba's body language tell you right now? Oh, it's good. <laughs> You're setting it home? Yeah. Good night, Roomba. I did not. Oh, watch it go. That's so crazy. Docking. You imagine if you took a Roomba to like the 1920s and just had it in yeah. somebody's house and they, and then it just started cleaning and roaming around. Do you yeah. think they would beat it? I think they would. I think they would basically presume it was alive, or maybe not. But they they would probably like dumb it down, but not much because like you can see how it works. But there are probably a few components in there they'd have no idea. What do you think their immediate reaction would be if you just put it in in the house that it was alive? You reckon? Maybe we're not giving them enough credit. I Wait, mean, what year did you say? Nineteen twenties. Okay. Okay. The twenties. Titanic was a thing already. Mm. Like flight was a thing. Yeah, they probably be like, "Oh yeah, like a um, wind up, like, <laughs> exactly. it's like well. clockwork." Yeah, 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 yeah. And it just must be like when it bumps into things, it just yeah. has something that turns it around or something yeah. like that. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy what were we talking about? So we were talking about <laughs> we were talking about like if AI was to manifest and when AI manifests in kind of the physical uh -huh. form via AR, AR and VR. This, this is really interesting. So when I first watched her um, and he first like installs OS1 and he meets Samantha, the first interaction, and the first thing she says, what was it? Hello, I'm here. Hello, I'm here. Hello, yeah. I'm here. Like she's yeah. surprised? Yeah, like, like she's like surprised. Here. Yeah. Oh. So you never see Samantha, um, but I always visualized Scarlett Johansson because you that's the most recognizable voice or yeah. it's a very recognizable voice and you immediately just associate the voice obviously with Scarlett Johansson yeah but I went the leap to actually be like okay what does Samantha look like um just just naturally and obviously she looks like um Scarlett Johansson if that was a voice that I didn't know well, that was just like a, a an incredible voice actress that wasn't popular physically mm. i would always be left wondering what they look like um and i find this really interesting i also found the intro scene of when thor comes down and uh uh with mjolnir and he just electrifies the, the pod that jarvis is in and jarvis comes out and he leaps mm. out and the first interaction i found that one of the most profound moments in um in any of the any of the avengers movies any wow. of the marvel movies firstly because he could hold mjolnir that was yeah. epic but also because it was like ah so that's your physical form yeah i think the the when when ai takes a physical form you're right chat is level one voice is level two then there is a third layer of seeing them with yeah. AI and, VR. and then there was there's a fourth layer with some of the more scary stuff, which is when you give them actual arms. Yes, the robot, legs, the robots, actual humanoid the robot robots. rising. Which will happen way faster than we're expecting it to, by the way. You reckon? Oh, yeah. 2030. Did you see that? Humanoid realistic robots, I'm telling you now. 
Yeah, I, I can imagine that. Did you see that backflip that was done by one of the Boston uh, Dynamics robots? Uh, no. It's just a backflip. Not on a platform. Um, yeah. Just a standing backflip. Yeah, those those robots are incredible. Mm. I'm I'm super interested with the inflection of voices and the, like the tone of voices. Mm. We've we've been playing a lot with voice tech mm -hmm. internally. Yeah, and there's been two massive leaps in the space of about twelve months. Okay, one has been Whisper. Yeah, which is a brand new neural network from OpenAI mm -hmm. that does very good speech recognition. Yeah, almost like depending on what your accent is mm -hmm. it almost never messes up it's yeah even with different accents it performs very very well very well okay. um we do have ours uh defaulting to english right now mm -hmm. and it does quite a good job but it, it's capable of many languages mm -hmm. but what's interesting about whisper is that because it was trained on multiple languages it can also translate mm -hmm. just out of the box you can say something in english and it will uh, write it in Spanish or you can do it the other way around and you can say something in Spanish and it will transcript it in English yeah so this is really interesting I've been seeing some like hacky projects uh, on on I think TikTok or YouTube shorts of uh, real-time voice dubbing or as real-time as you can get yeah um, but like real-time voice dubbing where you're having a conversation in I think the person was having a conversation in Korean and the other person was talking in English and it mm. was just a seamless experience. And they were talking right. as as friends, um, but it was insane. Like, uh, I think they had uh, wireless headphones in mm -hmm. and the person speaking Korean was being piped into the headphones as English and the person speaking mm. English was being piped into the headphones as Korean. And so that's um, speech to, that's speech recognition. Yeah. Uh, and then that speech synthesis mm -hmm. all happening in one, one cool system i wonder why that's not more popular and more mainstream like i i haven't had anybody kind of talk about it and i haven't really seen anybody use it that seems yeah. like something that would be massive yeah I, so th so i'm really fascinated with this google released this project last year and it was like an updated google glass mm -hmm. but it was a flex it's not actually a product it's a, just a project they're working on mm -hmm. and it was a pair of ar glasses that would transcribe what you were hearing in real time and display it in front of you like subtitles yeah yeah, yeah. but it would translate it at the same time mm -hmm. so you could have a different different dialect different languages or whatever um and i showed this to my girlfriend and she loves watching everything with subtitles on she can yeah. hear perfectly but she likes the subtitles i'm the exact same yeah so and, and like tiktok is the same yeah they have like subtitles baked into every video now yeah. so it makes total sense so she and she saw this and she was like i would wear those yeah because i want subtitles for real life interesting i think a lot of people actually understand more when they read it i'm mm. uh, i'm not like that i i actually understand less when i read it i think <laughs> do you not like watching movies with subtitles it, i do it, i couldn't care less either way but i'm just saying like i will learn something much faster if i watch a video about it rather than read a book about it mm -hmm. i have to reread everything yeah to really understand yeah that's that's really interesting i i do think real-time subtitles are going to be a thing yeah everybody thought that the base language that ever that everybody in the world will be able to communicate with would be english seems like it's ai <laughs> that just does the real translation you don't yeah. really uh, th this is also great for, for for people that don't have english as their first language or don't know english 
it's proven that if you, I mean, it's studies have shown that if you don't know English or you're born in a country that isn't natively English or teaches English, you're at a disadvantage because it's mm. kind of like the global language, basically, mm. just by pure network effects, it's grown super big. That problem is kind of eradicated with this technology. You can basically yeah. speak any language and just have it translate in real time. And that unlocks a huge shift mm. in how we work as a civilization yeah because if you if you think about how flight changed the world mm -hmm. it brought about globalization it brought about a huge shift in culture and 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 like music and just the what the reason was that people could move around different cultures could mix a lot faster mm -hmm. we're now going to have the final piece of the puzzle which is different languages can communicate yeah seamlessly in real time yeah. no need for translators yeah. sorry translators but yeah. that is going to be a huge shift in culture yeah. as well. So um, I have a question. What do you think about learning languages with that technology? So I'll give you a, a, the reason why I'm asking this. I recently went to Switzerland. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know they speak French. Yeah, like, well, I knew that. They but speak like, French and German. They speak lots. Yes, so you went to the French. Yeah, so yeah. I, yes, yeah. So I was on the French side, and they were mainly speaking French. Now I know like a tiny piece of French, mm -hmm. and that's it. But at the end of the three-day trip, I knew way more French mm -hmm. from just like my brain was just inferring. It was like, ah, oh, he pointed at the bathroom and he said. You know, whatever. Yeah. And <laughs> you don't go the words come out, but what I'm saying. All I'm saying. All I'm saying. But Bain? Ba? I think. I don't know. Well, anyway. I found it anyway. Right, okay. <laughs> what I've what I've been thinking about this like AR real time transcription and translation is that surely while you're talking to someone in another language, your brain is gonna be associating noises with words mm -hmm. and so you're going to learn really fast but also what's going to happen is that i think languages are going to start merging mm -hmm. because you will start to use and you see this with like bilingual families where the kids will start speaking in english and then they'll drop like a spanish word in there mm -hmm. because they can't quite figure out like where the line in the language is mm -hmm. so they just use a word and it's not even kids sometimes adults do this mm -hmm. where they'll speak in like the foreign language up until the point where they don't know the word and then they just use their word for it. Mm -hmm. So I think if everyone was using these like translating glasses all the time, mm -hmm. you would start to see new languages forming which are like a clash of both the languages. What do yes. you think? So this is this is quite interesting. So I uh, can speak two languages. Well, I can, I, I'm very, very bad at speaking Bengali. Okay. Um, I can understand it basically just like English. And I've actually tried previously just out of curiosity to, to really try and see if I can listen to Bengali, other people speaking Bengali family members completely objectively as if I didn't know the language. I can't. It's seamless. Like I don't even realize if I'm not thinking about it, I don't even realize when people change. Um, but that like learning another language if i was to learn another language now i would have to put a lot of attention into it and i would have to actively try like the everybody knows the best way to learn a new language is to, just to go to the country where they speak everyone learns spanish go to spain 
just speak Spanish with people. And if they speak English back to you, speak Spanish back to them. And that's, that's like the best and fastest way to, to learn that with, with, with glasses, where you are basically able to communicate with any Spanish person straight away without having to, to learn the language. Yes. You would probably communicate with Spanish people more just because you can. And so you can basically talk to anybody you'd communicate with Spanish people more, but your brain wouldn't actively work the muscle of trying to remember the word that they said and understanding what the English word is because it's right in front of you. Like you can see it. So you might pick up some things by osmosis, which you naturally do. I don't know necessarily if you're going to learn an entire language just by having real time subtitles under everyone, because you're not try, you're not like working the muscle. The, the, mm. the language is given to you, especially if it's piped to you. Um, mm. The audio is piped to you. I do think you uh, are onto something with like the blending of languages. Languages historically, uh, every single language is a blend of a bunch of other languages. Yeah, you can root ev basically every word back to another language and the origins of words. So English is like basically half Romance and half Germanic, and those mm. those two came together. And then we've picked up little words uh, from the Middle East, and it's mainly been fueled by trade. If you have the ability to communicate with anybody, yes, trade will go up um, because there'll be more trust between people. Uh, but also languages will start to blend. I wonder if... There it is. I wonder if the fact that you don't actively have to learn another word because it's given to you will, will be the counterbalance. So if a word in English has been brought, I don't know, uh, an example, maybe aubergine, right? That's that's probably, I think it's a French word. What do they call it in the US? Eggplant. Yeah, it's definitely a French word. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, so aubergine. There's probably somebody from back in the day, an Englishman that's gone over to France and he's been like, oh, okay, I'm a bit hungry. I'm going to go to the local supermarket. What have they got? Oh, what's this thing? It's purple. Oh, interesting. What is this? And a French guy behind the counter would have said something like aubergine. Mm. And then that he would have brought home, mum, check this out. This is aubergine. It's absolutely phenomenal. Aubergine became the word for it. If you had the ability, if you take that exact scenario, he goes to the supermarket, but he's wearing glasses and AirPods. And he's like, what is this? And the guy just says, the guy says aubergine, but you hear it as eggplant. You're going to go home and say, oh, look at this, this is eggplant. Ah, so I don't okay. know necessarily if, if AI is going to encourage languages blending yeah. or actively just stop it right there, freeze it in time because you don't need to know the words Ooh, for other things. That's an interesting counter argument. I guess it's like, I, I would love to see the research into the osmosis thing and mm. is proximities of another language enough for the brain to start doing pattern recognition um, subconsciously I think it is in certain scenarios but you're right if there's something that's almost a crutch then maybe your brain just turns that off and you lose the ability to learn languages yeah exactly like have you ever watched anything that's been dubbed yeah Okay, so, um, you know, they, they, sometimes they do it uh, specifically. Okay, maybe dubbed isn't the right example. But you know when you're watching an interview, you're watching the news or something, and, and they're doing like a translation of hmm. what somebody has said in another language. So they always start with the person speaking another language, and then the person speaking English kicks in. If you hear the person speaking, you're concentrating on the person speaking English. You hear the first few words of the person speaking another language, but then you're focusing on trying to understand what they actually said. So you listen to the English. I think, it, I, I don't think that is a method that you can learn a language from. 
right now, like watching yeah. dubbed dubbed news. So if you're getting audio piped in your native language as to what the other person is saying, yeah. you're going to pay attention to the audio in your ears, not to what the person is saying. Okay, so making it a mushy human thinking in decades, not years scenario. Mm. Um, it's 2060. Okay. A man and a woman meet, and the woman is from Germany. She speaks German only for some for some reason they seem pretty good english speakers but yeah uh, and the guy is from london he's english speaking they do not speak each other's languages but they both have the glasses so they don't really notice they fall in love and they have a kid the kid can't read yet what language does the kid speak it will speak uh, i i don't think it'll be that i don't think it'll be different to to what uh bilingual multilingual kids speak now they will speak to their mum in yeah. German and they'll speak to their dad in English, if that's the scenario, and they will learn both languages. Mm. But the weird thing is right now, it says so I've, I've got a, um, I've got basically this exact scenario. Yeah, that's why I'm asking. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. really fascinated. If you insert technology, mm. does it change? But also the isolation. So if um, I'm guessing your parents can speak each other's languages. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I mean, I ha th th that's the that's the big divide. Whereas, so I've got an uncle that speaks German. He's he's right. German, and my aunt is from from London. Okay, and they have a, a son, my cousin, who speaks both languages. Yeah. But obviously, my my German uncle could speak English, and my okay. aunt can't. But there's a there's a there's a uh, language that they can both speak, so they yeah. can communicate. Could be the case that you've got a relationship in the future where the, where the child can speak both languages. But for the entirety of their relationship, they can all speak each other's language. Okay, so maybe the kid ends up being the translator for the for the parents, but yeah. but well, then the glasses would as It'll well. It'll just be the AI. Yeah. But I'm trying to understand if you have like two parents that are for some reason in a situation where they're not communicating with each other mm. in a shared language, the kid can't learn the other side of the language. I don't know because. Both my parents speak English, mm. um, but I'm just fascinated with this. It, it seems like the yeah. human brain is like very, very clever and smart at learning things. So maybe yeah. we can get over it. There, there is there, there. You're you're onto something because there are significant problems with with AI basically doing all of the translation in real time for us. Uh, for example, there are a lot of there, there's a lot of culture also expressed in language. Um, it's not just a, a form of communication. There's tons of cultures. So, for example, you take French um, and uh, a lot of the Asian languages and South Asian languages, Middle Eastern languages. French is another one where you've got um, you informal and you polite. Right. And you've got the, uh, I have this in my language where you've got the polite version of saying something that you would say to maybe a teacher or an elder or a parent or a grandparent or something. And then you've got the more casual version that you'd say to friends or, or brother or sister or something. Um and there's like a lot of there, there's like a specific way of talking to somebody that's older than you, specific way of talking to somebody that's younger or just like a, a bro, um, and that also inspires your not just how you speak, but it also inspires your behavior. And you can see that in cultures that have a language where the 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 there is a difference between polite and informal. There's also a difference in kind of like respect and how important how much importance is placed on respect within those within those cultures so now if you've got 
AI that can do real-time translation and you are going to marry a, um, a Chinese lady or a Bengali lady, let's say you're going to marry a Bengali lady um, and you don't inherently get the kind of respect factor because you don't necessarily need to learn the language. If you're, if you're marrying a Bengali lady, you'll probably learn a few things about Bengali. You'll learn about the culture. You'll, learn, uh, you'll just see things in the language. Um, and, and, and they will say, yeah, this, there's a difference between this and this because this person is older and this person is younger. You'll kind of get that via osmosis. Yeah. Whereas if that communication is being piped back to you, where both the you polite and the you informal is just you for you, mm. you might lose some of that context. That could manifest uh, to become a, a bigger problem. So kind of like tension. Okay, so this is like slightly technology, not technology related, but do you think that's happening in languages anyway? So I definitely feel that in English, which is really the only language I can speak well, um, things are being more informal. Things are becoming more informal very fast mm. because of the internet. Like the way my parents spoke when I was younger and the, my family and really everyone around is very different to how people speak now. Mm. seems like everyone's a lot more informal. Um, some people speak in text, like short mm. characters or like what you up to as WUU2 mm. through, through tech. That seems to be going away and we're going back to a more formal way of speaking. But in actual verbal communication, it seems like people are becoming generally more impolite and the vocabulary is shrinking because of the content that they're consuming. I can mm. feel my vocabulary shrinking a lot mm. just through, I'm just not pushing myself with the content I'm consuming. Mm. And I wonder, is that something that you see in other languages as well or not really? What the change of how people speak? Yeah. Uh, is it becoming more informal over time? I'm not close to enough languages to, to kind of um, have an answer on that. I would say maybe, okay, so so maybe um, some things change. However, the, the kind of, that the, the example of like the respect factor, yeah, that's still very much baked into, that's still very much baked into language because it's so baked, it's so deeply baked into culture. Um, so I don't think it's necessarily happening anyway. I think, I don't know, it's, it's, it's kind of a misnomer. We're talking about specific scenarios and trying to map, yeah. trying to create a framework from, from, from anecdotal predictions. Yeah. I don't know if it's a one size fits always also massively depends on the language. Like for example, there's you polite and you um, casual in France, but there isn't as deep a emphasis in the French culture on like respect for elders as there is in in the Chinese culture where there's also you polite and you informal. Mm. You know, so, so um, there's also the concept of um, masculine and feminine nouns. And that as a concept... I don't know how that kind of plays out and dictates culture in France or whether it has a significant impact or not. Um, but if you're hearing somebody say le this and la this, for you, you're just hearing the. Yes. And yeah. so that's, yeah. But my brain's doing a mapping there. So like, I know that some people, when they move to another country, they learn the language, mm. they speak the language, and at first their brain just maps it back to their like first language. Mm -hmm. But then after like 20 years of living in that country, they're now thinking in that language. Yeah, They're no longer doing the mapping. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I do hear the, when you say that those words, but I wonder how quickly your brain 
can move to thinking in that language. And I wonder whether that will increase or decrease with that technology. Yeah, I mean, I think it, I think it will decrease. Well, uh, yeah, I don't think it will map as much. Like, for example, my dad. My dad was born and raised in Sweden. And so he speak he spoke Swedish for the first 22 years of his life before he married my mum and moved here moved here and you talk to him now and you ask him to speak Swedish and he does struggle I mean he, he needs a bit of time to get into it um, and especially when he goes back to Sweden after basically a, a couple of hours of speaking Swedish he's like fully back into it but it, there is a there is a uh, uh, a lag and he's not as good in Swedish anymore as he is in in English and wow. so if you give him the ability if you say okay dad here are two options. One option is when you go, when you next go to Sweden or you encounter a Swedish person, you need to turn on the Swedish brain again. Or you have the ability to just talk to this person and whatever they say you hear in English and whatever you say they hear in Swedish, but you can speak your own languages. He would probably take the second option. He'd be like, oh, I don't need to do the hard work of like, I just want to talk wow. to this person and discuss something. I don't want to think about the language. This is so fascinating. Mm. But when your dad does go back mm. and speak in that language that he spoke for 20, was it 20 years? 20, 20 22, yeah. Right. Does his brain think in that language or is he mapping to his new language? Yeah, so this is really interesting. He, um, I've asked him this question. He sometimes, so he thinks in English now. Okay. His thoughts are in English, but he counts in Swedish. I don't know what, how. Um, and so he would be, he would, I, I would even hear when he's thinking out loud, when he's doing the accounts or whatever, he thinks out loud, um, he'd be talking in English to himself and then he'd just be counting in Swedish. And sometimes he has a, uh, a dream in Bengali or a dream in Swedish or a dream in English. Wow. Yeah. I and it's like a lot of dreams. Yeah. It's, it's really, really weird. And I think he also thinks in the language that he's talking in. So when he's in Sweden, I think he thinks in Swedish when he's normal life, he's, he thinks in English. And when he's talking to other Bengali people, he thinks in Bengali. It's really weird. Wow. Language, I think, is... I, I don't know what the spill-out effects of AI, what AI will be, especially if you can just not have to rely on knowing another language. Yeah. Do you know any... You have a very Welsh name. Do you know any Welsh? I actually don't, and I'm very embarrassed. The most Welsh I know is my name. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know um, anything in, in, what's the language called? It's called Kim, uh, Kim, Kim Rag? I can't even say the name of the language. Okay, right, okay. Welsh, let's call it Welsh. Let's call it Welsh. No, I, so yeah, my, my dad's Welsh. My right. parents split when I was three. So okay. didn't, I wasn't really around the Welsh language at all. Can he speak um, Welsh? I think he can a little bit, but he definitely prefers talking in English. Right, he okay. lives in England. Right. He has since he was in his 20s. So okay. 19, I think he moved away from Wales. He actually... Okay, okay so... Similar story. Yeah, interesting story. He left his parents' house to go to uni. Okay. And he dropped out of uni. And he phoned up his parents and said, I, I, I want to come home, which was like, uh, I think... His parents didn't want that. This is how the story goes. Yeah. And they said, um, yeah, okay, fine. You can come home. But one, th just one thing we've moved. <laughs> we've moved to England. 
Right. So he left to uni and he came back to a different country. Yeah. Which he then called home. And and then I think, I don't know whether immediately, but he basically met my mum. Um, right. And so, so he kind of has been out of the, the Welsh language for a long time. But I do have other family members that do speak it. Um, and it's really, really interesting. But this is a very complicated language and I'm really, really fascinated. I really want to learn it. It's, but I just haven't put any effort in. So that, what does that tell you? <laughs> so, okay. So, okay. This is, this is quite interesting. So when you were younger then, yeah, were you around your, the Welsh side of your family more? No. Okay. Yeah. I just haven't had much proximity to the Welsh side of my family. Unfortunately, hmm. they were all in Wales. Okay. <laughs> that <laughs> but, makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. When I, uh, yeah. when I actually got like to, to my teenage years, a yeah. few of them actually all started moving to like my neighborhood which was interesting which is like strange but again like you're in an english-speaking country mm. you're gonna speak english which is which is fine um but i was really i i went to a what was apparently a language like school as my secondary school their, okay. their specialism was in language okay so you had to study like three or four languages mm. until you're in year nine and then you had to you had to do a gcc in a language mm. so i did german and I hated learning languages. I really struggled with it. I just couldn't get my head around. I couldn't get anything in. Nothing would stick. Mm -hmm. And then my teacher said to me one day, oh, you're, you're thinking about this completely wrong. And I was trying to basically memorize like an unlock code to the thing I wanted. Mm. So if, if it was like, um, I would like a beer, please. I would try and memorize the noises and the thing I had to write down. And then I would try and then make an association of like when i want a beer i have to say these noises and write these words it's like weird i don't know why i naturally did that yeah but the teacher was like just try and extend your existing language so like rather than try and just like a baby just try and learn it from afresh just say there's an extra it say to your brain there's an extra word for hello mm. and it's this and it doesn't translate to every language because mm. Not all languages work the same, but for me, that was the unlock and it got me through my GCSEs. Interesting. A C I got. Yeah. <laughs> and I loved it. And I loved the speaking Yeah, and was terrible at the writing. Interesting. Yeah. I have no idea. I've, I've lost most of it. I would, I need to go to Germany and, and spend maybe a week or two in Germany yeah. and it'll all come back. What is it? I would like a beer, please. Ich möchte ein Bier, bitte. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so I'm quite interested in this. So let's take German as an example, right? So we're talking about the AI-based population, the digital population. So if, you're, if you've got a pair of, let's say you're, where is 2050? Or probably with this advancement, it's 20th November. <laughs> and, uh, and everybody's walking around with a pair of AR glasses. Yeah. And there are AI-based uh, people walking among us and when we're looking at them it's seamless it's like okay that's terry that's mark that's ai david whatever would there be a concept of these ai people having a nationality so if you were to go on holiday to germany and you were wearing your glasses uh and you go get off the plane and you look at all of the ai entities when you speak to somebody would they have a German accent but speak English? Would they naturally just speak English in in the in the in the voice that they were trained with? Mm. Or what would what would that be like? Do you reckon? Because the 
tech is capable of speaking any language seamlessly yes. and swapping in between. Yeah. I mean, we were doing an awesome experiment in the office the other day mm. where we had Carter persist a personality across like three or four languages in the same conversation and it was yeah. seamless. And what was crazy is that the personality was designed in English but it translated into yeah. every language that we try that we threw at it. Mm. And this is out of the box. Yeah. So it was uh Mandarin, I think Mandarin, Cantonese, Japanese, and English. And it was like a conversation yeah. that included all of those. And it was just like perfect. Yeah. So I think it's probably gonna be seamless. But I actually would like to say that. AR companions are going to be mainly in private mode. So mainly like incognito. The, the, re the reason I think this is because they're basically the natural next step for imaginary best friends. This is kind of the, mm -hmm. the way I see it, which is that to you, you want to be sat next to an AI on the bus. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting on the bus and there's a spare seat, you want to just sit down. You don't want to be like, oh, that's taken by your AI, right? That's like one example. <laughs> yeah. We don't need that hassle and friction. Yeah. There will be publicly viewable bots. I think it'll just be a mode that you can switch between where you can bring your character into a group chat mm -hmm. or a group activity, but you can also just have them in this like hidden incognito mode where only you can see them. Mm -hmm. Then you've got the like, super private experiences maybe it's vr where you're immersed in a completely like almost transcendent experience with your ai in a completely false world it's completely shut off and you're actually in your living room on your own mm -hmm. i don't really like that future because it just seems too isolated yeah but then you'll have like public characters that are walking around as the digital population and that's the app store example mm -hmm. of like the apple store example you walk into the apple store and you're greeted with this like publicly viewable character that's walking around so I think that there's going to be a mix. Mm. I, and I think that the it's going to be up to the owner of the, the owner sounds like a horrible world word, the human companion to the AI mm -hmm. um, as to whether they speak other languages or not. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's very, very interesting. There, there are use cases definitely for governmental AI-based entities that, that the government kind of enforces us to see as we're walking around like for example ai-based police officers if you go into a place even in london where the most common language is is not english like southall for example a lot of people speak um hindi punjabi in these in these countries and there is a big problem with the police in these areas because the police can't speak the languages and so they can't build relationships to kind of solve some of the gang problems and, and that type of thing there's a there's a bit of a divide if you had the ability to have like an ai based police officer essentially that can seamlessly translate between the two and also build a relationship with somebody in a in their home language mm. you could have uh, a massive like conflict resolution type of police officer that is just trying to find resolve between all parties um while enforcing the law Mm. And that's probably an officer that that you would see, yeah. maybe. Is that ethical? Why would it not be? Because you're essentially using AI for government level manipulation and negotiation. I mean, it's. I mean, like, so let's say you have a police officer, an AI police officer that's able to talk someone down off of a ledge. That's mm. awesome. Of course, we want that in the world. 
especially if it has a hundred percent probability or like 98 percent certain you can talk always talk someone down off of a ledge mm -hmm. fantastic let's use it now but if that same technology can convince someone to go into battle or to like it's the same thing you're manipulating people through conversation to do a certain action so you have to wield that responsibly yeah i mean the government will probably have a ton of like checks and balances before they actually enforce something the more yeah. worrying thing is like if a, a group of people come together and, and like create something that optimizes to sell you drugs or something but yeah. the police officer talking you off a ledge that can instantly appear mm -hmm. is a great example it's awesome um also ai-based nurses i think would be great so so much of the nursing job of course, the nursing job is 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 a lot of stuff um, and a lot of physical stuff that wouldn't be able to be done unless there was like a robot. But a lot of the nursing job is like bedside manner and just being caring and comforting mm. uh, towards uh, towards a patient. And there are some patients that are, of course, they're they're sick and they might be in in a lot of pain, and so they are hard to deal with. And so maybe um, the there is like an AI based nurse that's a sidekick to the actual nurse, where the nurse only needs to do the functional part of the job so providing the the, the nebulizer or providing the drip or whatever and the in term the interaction and the patient handling is done by the ai that would be a massive unlock for nursing because they would probably face a lot less abuse than they currently do they would be able to see patients faster as well and they'd be able to spend time in person with the patients that they actually want to spend time with but everybody gets equal care these types of uses of these types of like functions for AI based entities is definitely going to be yeah needle moving. I think support and companionship is definitely something AI can probably do quite well. Mm. I don't think we will always okay. The reason I don't think it'll ever be at the same level as a another human is purely not because the technology can't like super accurately simulate it. It's because you know. It's because you know. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. If you know you're talking to a hologram, there's always going to be a partner for you, even if you are emotionally invested. That is like this is not a human being. Yeah, you say that, but if you ha there, are, there will definitely be uh, there. There will definitely be um, an experiment or something done where if you remove the barrier of like having to constantly say something, where yeah. AI knows when to when to instigate the conversation, when not to, when to when to just not say anything else, you have that. You get the latency of voice generation super low. Um, you get the accuracy. I mean, Whisper's speech recognition is already incredibly accurate. Yeah. And you get a really compelling voice that can laugh, that can yeah, sigh, yeah. that can breathe, that can take pauses. You get all of those things. And then you get a person that spends 30 days in a room yes. behind a wall. And you just put a person on the other side. So you can hear some footsteps. You can hear like maybe a knock on the door or something. But all of the conversation is being done with an AI. Yeah. I do believe that people could fall madly in love and build really, really deep relationships. Okay. I believe this too. So it's X machina kind we, of. <laughs> we absolutely, I, I believe this too. And uh, absolutely, it, it really wraps very nicely around everything we do at Carter, which mm -hmm. is companionship is possible through technology if done correctly. Yeah. Um, it seems the unlocks towards that future are not obvious, mm -hmm. but they are in retrospect. So like um, we set out, we, when we started Carter, the level of text conversation 
was not there yet in the AI world. It was very close. We didn't know how close, but it was very close to being perfect, but it wasn't quite there. Now, I would argue that uh, dialogue generation is, is now perfect. Logic and thinking and problem solving still got a, a way to go. Yeah. Dialogue generation, it's there. Yeah. So, okay, so that's the first hurdle. The next hurdle was there's something that still feels robotic about talking to, in our case, Carter, but any of these AI systems, what is it? And it was a voice. Mm. And swapping out and playing with different voice services has really shown us like, wow, okay, voice matters more than, we didn't know that because you feel it in your gut and your heart. Mm -hmm. When you feel, when you talk to these systems, not through text, but through voice, suddenly you're like, oh, I am talking to Steve Jobs. Mm -hmm. I, like it really does make a difference. Even with um, completely novel voices, it still matters. Like those little inflections and voice cracks. So I want to close today's episode mm -hmm. with something we have not spoken about, which is something called Bark. Yes. Okay. Let's talk about Bark. So Bark is an open source project that was released. Now, the samples it creates are not good quality. But this is a glimpse of what's to come with voice AI. So this is an open source project. You can download this and run it now if you want, as long as you're not a commercial business. Um, and this is basically a network that can not only take the text, but it can laugh, it can sing, yep. it can breathe. And I just want to play some samples because yeah, th this is just insane. The, the model is called Bark, like Clifford the Big Red Dog, or, um, or Bark as in Tree Bark. Right, so did you hear the little... Yeah, the, the other one is great as well, the second one, I think. Uh, the I've Got a Secret to Tell You? Yeah, uh, I think so. There's loads, we'll do a bunch of them. I've got a secret to tell you. I can pass the Turing test. That one I didn't actually think was that impressive because mm -hmm. it's just whispering. So the one that I thought was just crazy was th these two. These two. My friend's bakery burned down last night. Now his business is toast. That sign Friends. was like perfect. Mm. And this one. What did they say? And the voice for, um, for <laughs> What? Yeah. That laugh. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, um, two more papers out. Mm -hmm. You, that's the rule in AI. You think two papers out. Mm -hmm. That's the rule. So two papers out, you're going to have nearly indistinguishable voices that will end up being open source. Mm hmm that can, and if you look at the prompts on the Bark GitHub, you can see that they're basically putting in brackets, sad, and then the text they want it to say, and then in brackets, laughs. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And like the ums and the stutters of those voices are put in by the model, mm -hmm. or you can get it to do it. But what's even more mind-blowing is the way they train the system, they don't actually know what this is capable of doing. Mm. So sometimes it'll generate like... um 
very like radio style, very, very low quality voice. Sometimes it'll be like high definition audiobook. They don't really know why. It's it's early days. Mm-hmm. But there's a part on the GitHub and it literally just says, here's the things we know work, like brackets laugh, brackets add. Um, there might be more. We don't know. That's really crazy. So so that's actually um I have I didn't tell you this, but I kind of put Carter into role play mode by uh by messing around with a personality. And I had a Carter character um, put in brackets the kind of like expressions that they were having. So laughs was was literally something that they they said. Um, laughs and it was like sighs and it was um, smiles. Smiles is interesting because sm- you can't hear a smile, but when you smile, you I'm smiling naturally now. <laughs> I say you can hear in the podcast if you're listening to this on Spotify, you can tell that I'm smiling. Yes. Um, because the voice is different. If you have Bark um, being able to generate not just the the words and the dialogue, but also the difference between sounding really sad and sounding really happy and and these things, mm. that is super compelling. I I would not if if you play me those play me those as like voice notes. I just got this really weird voice note from someone. I would not be able to tell even as it is now. I wouldn't be able to tell that that's AI generated. It's crazy. It's crazy. Well done, Bark, and the team behind it. It's awesome. Yeah. Go and check it out. Let's see where it goes. Yeah. Let's see. Right. I think that was uh, that was an episode that went in a very weird direction, yeah, like they all episode. do. Yeah, great. That was really good. I hope you guys enjoyed it. This has been episode six, I believe, of the GPT podcast. Thanks a lot for tuning in. If you're still here, cheers. You're a super fan. Thank you very much for, for giving us your time. Until next time. Until